Gavin Newsom is still governor of California. Don't panic. Don't panic. I have a solution. Also, Millie, treason, accountability, all that's coming up on I'm Right. Don't panic. Don't panic. I have my California friends melting my phone at the moment. Gavin Newsom won his recall last night. And yes, tonight we're going to talk about Millie. We have a bunch of COVID stuff. It's going to be a great show on I'm Right tonight. But let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Gavin Newsom. For those who have been living under a rock, just know Gavin Newsom is the far left governor of California. California is critically important to the nation. If California was its own country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world. It's by far the state with the most people in it. It is a paradise, weather-wise, Northern California's beautiful Southern California. However, it has been completely taken over by the left. It is a blue, blue, blue place. Now it's pretty standard for, for the rest of the country. The urban areas are dark blue and the rural areas are red. There are more Republicans in California than, than any other state, but it's a blue state. Gavin Newsom has handled COVID from my perspective like an absolute monster. If you're one of the communists, you love what he's done. It's been the worst draconian policies in the nation. Restaurants gone. They were filling in skate parks with sand. It was insanity. Absolute insanity. He got enough people mad enough to prompt a recall. The recall vote was yesterday. Gavin Newsom won. He won early enough. They just basically called the thing like 15 minutes after it closed. Here was Gavin Newsom. We said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. We said yes to ending this pandemic. We said yes to people's right to vote without fear of fake fraud or voter suppression. We said yes to women's fundamental constitutional right to decide for herself what she does with her body, her fate and future. We said yes to diversity. We said yes to inclusion. You know, all, all the standard gobbledygook there. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Let's have a serious talk, a really serious talk about the United States of America, not just California, the United States of America right now. You're seeing, we're about to talk about General Milley, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs who committed high treason. We have the FBI, CIA, hopelessly compromised, DOJ, the federal government votes, I believe, over 95% Democrat every time. We now have an entrenched system of rot here in the United States of America. I'm getting to California. This all applies. The federal system, the United States of America, as you've always known it, as I've always known it, if we're going to be adults and address reality, not what we want it to be, if we're going to address reality, it's probably important for us to accept, acknowledge, you don't have to cheer for it, the federal system may be lost, most likely is lost, probably too deep. The rod is too deep, the infection is too deep, that's not probably something that can be salvaged. However, it's not the end of the world. It just means life for the next 20, 30, 100 years is going to be different than it was for the last 20, 30, or 100 years. It's not the end of the world. Times change. What am I talking about? What's that mean? You still have some states 
many states in the United States of America, states where they have your values, states where you can have some level of state protection because the state is there. If you're in California, we need you in Texas. We need you in Florida. We need you in Wyoming, Alabama, South Carolina. Pick your red state. It's not that I want you to leave paradise. I know California's paradise. It's not that I want you to leave your friends and family. It's not that I want you to leave your job. I'm not unaware of what it takes to move. I've moved my entire life. At one point in our childhood, in my childhood, we lived in 10 houses in 10 years. I'm not making that up. That's a true story. I know, I know all about moving. I know the hardship. I know the stress. I, I get all of it. My pitch to you is this. I'm not telling you what to do, nor would I have any right to do so. You have your own life, your own job, own family, own situation. If you're in a state like California, I know you love it. I know you got history there. California cannot be saved. California is gone. But there are places out there that need you. We need reinforcements in the red states of this country. We need you. We must have you here. The communists are not going to take over the federal government in California and New York and all the standard places and then sit back and say to themselves, you know, I think we've done enough. I, I think we're good here. We've destroyed enough. Let's let them have Florida. They don't think like that. That's how you think. That's how I think. They don't think in those, ter in those terms. The communist only sees things he hasn't destroyed yet. They're coming. They're coming for Texas and Florida and Alabama and South Carolina and all of them. And you, you in California, with your stubborn, but admirable, I'm not making fun of you, with your stubborn, no, I'm going to stay and fight. That sounds really, really great on Twitter. You're lost. You're behind enemy lines. You're simply going to get swallowed up and, go and just gobbled up and you do us no good whatsoever. I don't want you to do no good. I don't want you to, do, to get gobbled up. Yes, I understand the weather's better in California than it is in Texas. We need you here. Need you here. And, and, again, I know we don't have California weather in California beaches. I will say, in July, while you were all masked up, while all your friends are wearing rubber gloves and, and, and taking hand sanitizer showers in July, we were having massive cookouts in the neighborhood. Burgers, crawfish, kids swimming in the pool, squirt gun fights, real America stuff. Oh, and did I mention the July I'm talking about? July of 2020, in the height of the pandemic fear when everyone else was hiding under their beds because I live in a red area Life was pretty stinking normal. I've lived in red areas. I've lived in blue areas. It's better here. Come. We need you. We need your help. For the future, we need your help. Come. Get out. Tactical retreat. Tactical retreat. Choosing which battles can be won and which battles cannot be won is not surrender. It is an essential part of any general's repertoire. General Washington, you, you've heard of him maybe? George Washington, tall guy, wooden teeth, kind of started the country. You maybe you've heard of him. 
You know, he was so great at tactical retreat, generals around the world study that of him to this day. That's why you have a country. He recognized, I can't throw away all my troops in this battle. If I fight this battle here, I'm going to lose. So I'll just move away. We'll wait. I'll move here. I'll move there. I'll wait and fight when I'm not going to waste my troops. Tactical retreat is not surrender. Come to Texas. Moving on. What am I talking about? I mean, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is a high treason traitor. There's not another way to interpret what happened here. General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, under President Donald Trump, called his Chinese counterpart and said, General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything's going to be okay. We're not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. We are 100% steady. Everything's fine. But, but, but democracy can be sloppy sometimes. Oh, he, moved, he went on. General Lee, you and I have known each other for now for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. That is not some disgruntled private somewhere sharing text messages with his communist Chinese girlfriend. That's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. In just the last four years, you've seen FBI directors pull stuff like this. CIA directors. When I say things like the federal system as it is now probably cannot be salvaged, this is why I say them. And Rubio, Rubio to his credit, at least called for his firing. Now, let me clarify something. Firing or resigning is not near enough. He needs to go to trial. He needs to be charged. These are crimes, high crimes. He should spend the rest of his life in federal prison. But in the very least, someone said something. Rubio came out and said, I write with grave concern regarding the recent reporting that General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, worked to actively undermine the sitting commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces and contemplated a treasonous leak of classified information to the Chinese Communist Party in advance of a potential armed conflict with the People's Republic of China. These actions by General Milley demonstrate a clear lack of sound judgment, and I urge you to dismiss him immediately. And of course, he should be dismissed immediately and then put on trial and then go to Leavenworth and receive whatever the highest punishment is, whether that's gallows, life in prison, I don't know. You cannot as a nation take an officer of this high level, commit an act of treason like that and simply let it go unpunished or it's going to keep happening again and again. Trump, as you can imagine, had some comments. He went on Newsmax to say this. So first of all, if it is actually true, which is hard to believe, uh, that he would have called uh, China and d done these things and uh, was willing to advise them of an attack or in advance of an attack, that's treason. And I would think I've had so many calls today saying that's treason for him to say that I would even think about attacking China. I think he's trying to just get out of his incompetent withdrawal out of Afghanistan. The worst, the dumbest thing that anybody's seen, probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to our country. It's true. That's real. And 
Senator Hawley, to his credit, at least appears to show some teeth. My question is, where are the rest of the Republicans? The chairman of the Joint Chiefs just committed high treason, and the silence out there is deafening. Credit to Hawley for saying this. I will not consent to the nomination of any nominee for the Department of Defense or for the Department of State until Secretary Austin and Secretary Blinken and Jake Sullivan resign. Leaders take responsibility for their failures. Good for you, Holly. Good for you. Now, let me ask you an uncomfortable question. I know you're probably saying to yourself, because you love your country, as I do, you're probably saying to yourself, no, Jesse, we can save it. The, uh, the midterms, midterms are coming, and then, and then 2024, uh, we'll get Trump back, or uh, it'll be DeSantis, or Cruz, or whoever, whoever your cup of tea is. That's probably what you're saying, and that's an understandable response. I'm not saying you're wrong. Just saying this. Let's say I'm right, and all the evidence points to the fact that I'm right, that the federal government is completely infected at this point in time, and the rot is deep. The rot is very, very, very deep, from low-level staffers to the guys who lead the institutions. What does that mean? It means the next president, Lord willing there is one, who is a Republican and walks into office, he must walk into office and begin firing people en masse day one. He must do a massive government purge. Otherwise, just like what happened to Trump will happen to him, and he'll be impeached and kneecapped and shackled from within his own government from the time he takes office. So the firings in mass must happen. This is not an option. It's not like a side issue. I hope he gets around to it. It's necessary or he won't accomplish a single thing. Okay? What do you think the reaction by the media, Democrats, half the Republicans will be to a Republican president who walks in and say, fires everyone on the Joint Chiefs day one, and the CIA director, and the FBI director, and every U.S. attorney. And this is just the beginning, and these are things that must happen. What do you think the reaction would be? How quickly would they impeach him again, Democrats and Republicans? Now do you see the trouble we're in? Now do you see why I tell you time and time and time again, move. Move to a red area. Being in a red area is the only chance you have in the future of having some level of state protection. I know you love, pick your blue area. I know you love New York. Brother, I love New York. I love it. I live for it. California. California is beautiful. It is beautiful. The weather and the beaches, the pretty girls and the Mexican food. and the, the California is awesome. You got to go. Life isn't always what we want it to be. You got to go. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have an outstanding show for you tonight. If you're stressed out right now, you are probably tempted, if you've ever done it before, to reach for tobacco of some kind, dip, cigarettes, whatever the case may be. Try something out for me, please. Try some Jake's Mint Chew. They have 11 different flavors of long cut. For you smokers, they have four different flavors of CBD pouches. It's these clean little pouches put there in your lip. It takes that edge off, kills that craving without tobacco, without nicotine, without sugar. 
Put away the bad stuff. Reach for Jake's Mint Chew. It works. I'm a longtime dipper telling you Jake's Mint Chew works. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE and get yourself 10% off. All right. We got COVID madness next. Isn't it crazy how many tyrants have emerged in society? Don't you find it nuts? I find it just completely wild. The way people speak. And I I guess it's just fear. I mean, if you actually go back and read history of all all the worst tyrants you can imagine, the people who did the worst things, and and you dig into them and what they believed and why they believed what they believed, in the end, so often... They were just fearful fearful people, afraid of everything, always paranoid, always a new enemy, a new this to purge. And, and, and I totally see it now. This place has turned previously normal people into tyrants. I'm about to play you a little video. And yeah, the, the reporter is going to ask the question of Fauci. But I want you to pay as much attention to what the reporter asks as what Fauci answers. This woman, this woman, just a normal human being, I assume, is just dumbfounded, dumbfounded. You can still travel without showing your papers. It's crazy. It seems to me crazy that a year and a half into this, you can still, I can still get on a plane to Boston or California and nobody's going to check me. Do you think that needs to change? Well, that's under consideration, certainly. I mean, I, I have been asked that question and it actually got, got some play in the press when I made the answer. I think that if, in fact... It is seriously considered. It's on the table. We're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the six-point program that the president came out with a couple of days, what we were talking about with travel was doubling the fines of people who, in fact, are traveling and don't get tested. And And I believe that the idea about requiring vaccination for travel is something that is on the table for discussion. I'm sorry? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry, sir. You cannot get on this plane. No, I'm, I need to see your papers. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you wanted to travel from Arkansas into Texas? Sir, papers, please. They even use the same language all the other psychopathic tyrants used, and they're completely oblivious to it. Just completely oblivious to the fact they're turning into monsters in front of our eyes. That woman... She's just dumbfounded. You're allowed to travel. What? Gosh. And remember, remember, look at this picture. This is Terry McAuliffe, Mr. Basque, Terry McAuliffe, you know, wannabe governor of Virginia. Well, I guess already governor of Virginia, but governor, wannabe governor of Virginia. He gets busted without a mask when a mask is required. What's so crazy about all this, all this stuff is None of these people are actually worried about coronavirus at all. None of them. None of them. That's why they've been caught a million times. There are now more examples that I could even list for you on the show. How many parties and salons and flights and boats and how many times have all these people pushing panic been caught already violating all their own rules? And remember, remember this. It's not because they're hypocrites. It is not because they're hypocrites. It's because they're not worried about coronavirus. This has nothing to do with coronavirus. This is all about money and power and control. 
And all of these people have wanted those things for a long, long, long time. And the real truth is coronavirus got here and they looked around and realized, oh man, this is our golden ticket, baby. This is our chance to take back, to take everything we've ever wanted. They now, they now feel completely comfortable going on television and saying, I don't even know why you're allowed to travel without showing your papers. They don't even hide it anymore now. They feel totally comfortable. Wild, wild days are ahead. All right. Get away from it all tonight or tomorrow. Get a good book. When's the last time you curled up with a good book? And I have one for you. Simon & Schuster is out with a new book. It's Vince Flynn's Mitch Rapp series. The new book's called Enemy at the Gates. And I've read all of these. I even read the prequel, American Assassin, and it's stupid good, too. They're all so good. And Mitch Rapp is this government-trained assassin who goes around murdering terrorists. And the newest book, it honestly, it might be the best in the series, and that's saying a lot. Go. Get away from all this political stuff for a few. Get a good book. Enjoy. All right. We'll be back with Bobby Eberle. Joining me now, Republican strategist and host of the 13-Minute News Hour, Bobby Eberly. Bobby, let's begin at the beginning. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't quite let this go. We had 13 American warriors incinerated by ISIS. The Biden regime, supposedly in response to this, drone striked a family of 10, incl- including adorable young children, and then everybody just kind of moved on. And oh, I should mention, once they drone strike the family of 10, they initially put out this public thing, hey, uh, uh, we killed some ISIS guys, we got them. And right. it was an aid yeah. worker. Bobby, that's a war crime. Yes, and, and that's the thing, Jesse, I am as fired up as you are about this because look, we had 13 Americans killed there because of Joe Biden's incompetence. So you kind of knew that he was gonna do something that, that something would make the news to try and deflect from what he was doing. And sure enough, they had the drone strike, but just like you said, they announced that they had senior ISIS-K people killed. You know, they had one or two of them that were killed in this raid. So wow, the media was great. We're just gonna move on from Afghanistan. It turned out none of that was true. This wasn't this, you know, fog of war collateral damage. He specifically said, that we killed ISIS-K people. Instead, it's this huge family, including this aid worker that has supported the U.S. for years, and we're just supposed to forget about it. Someone messed up in a bad way, and not only that, but then Biden covered it up and said we got ISIS-K members. That's, that's wrong right there. That is totally wrong, and no one's come forward and done anything about it. No one has done anything about it, Bobby. And I have to tell you, I, I, look, the fallout from General Milley makes it pretty obvious no one's ever going to do anything about anything mm-hmm. in this administration. Scandal after scandal after scandal with the border in Afghanistan and Afghanistan and the mandates and, 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 and Milley with the, committing high treason. And even today, Saki already came out and said, no, it's fine. He did fine. And it's leading to this simmering anger that there's never anyone accountable. Well, right. I mean, you've seen Millie. The only time he's in the news that he actually makes it in the news is if he's pushing some kind of woke agenda, some kind of woke program in the military, you know, critical race theory or some kind of diversity training, not getting the best people in the best training 
for the best fighting force in the entire world. No, he's con concerned about the left-wing agenda. But now we learn about these phone calls to his counterpart in China, saying, I'm gonna warn you if Trump goes rogue or something and plans to attack China, which I mean, attacking China, give me a break. But these phone calls amount to treason. He violated the chain of command. He violated the constitution and someone needs to be called to account. He needs to be tried. I don't like this idea of just resigning. He needs to face charges and go to jail. He does need to face charges and I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think he's going to. I didn't think he was mm -hmm. yesterday right. and clearly we already see that today. But Bobby, my mm -hmm. question overall is this. Because I've been pondering this. I've been texting friends mm -hmm. I trust about it today, trying to figure this out. The rot is deep. And it's at the top of virtually all of our government institutions, top to bottom through most of them. Mm -hmm. So let's just assume we do get another Republican president one day, Lord willing. That right. Republican president is going to, just like Donald Trump was, be shackled and kneecapped by his own government every step of the way unless he walks in and on day one fires people like nobody's ever seen before. Just absolutely wipes out every federal agency he possibly can. But yeah, then he'll be I impeached if he does that. So that gives us, what do we do in this situation? Well, exactly. And you know that the left are hoping that, you know, this cycle around that we get, we go back to the old days, you know, of getting a Mitt Romney or a John McCain or something like that. We had President Trump and he went after the swamp. That was one of the things he talked about. That was one of the things he started doing. But man, I love your approach. You got to do this from day one. You got to say, hey, we're setting this tone. You guys are all going because I tell you what, whether it's appointed people or career bureaucrats in these departments, when the American people say we want to go a different direction, a Trump administration, that means that they are saying, hey, put up your cabinet the way you want, run your departments the way you want and clean house. That's what if the American people don't like it, four years later, they vote again. But we need that Republican in there to actually drain the swamp and not just be a placeholder. Bobby, people aren't talking enough about the spending bill because everything's terrible. It's not like people are bad. It's just there's all kinds of awful news. And so we're kind of missing the $3.5 trillion everything on the liberal wish list bill that is going to pass not going to pass where's this thing at bobby well i don't i don't think i think a 3.5 trillion dollar bill is dead in the water but here's the thing man this is what what is so pathetic about the situation that we're in is we are left as conservatives as republicans counting on democrats like joe manchin to to hold the line against this spending you know pelosi with the the simple majority in the house she's going to push whatever biden wants or whatever they want and you know pull Biden along. Our check is the Senate, and now it's 50-50. So we need people like Joe Manchin or Kristen Sinema over in Arizona to say, hey, we're going to hold the line because we don't have enough Republicans to do it. And you know that Susan Collins and Romney and them, they're just bound to go along with the Democrats. So it's a very iffy situation. But I really think that whatever happens, it's going to be trimmed down from this $3.5 trillion Green New Deal bogus spending plan Whatever we get is still going to be bad, but it's kind of the situation we put ourselves in after this last election. How did we screw up the last election, Bobby? What, what, because I'll tell you what, I, everyone knew it was bad. It is proving to be extremely costly. And I mean, like the nation coming apart costly. How in the world did we screw this thing up so bad? 
Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things, man. And I and I go back to to friends of mine and acquaintances that you know that they said, yeah, I'm a Republican, but I'm going to vote for Biden this time because I don't like mean tweets. You know, I want our discourse to be higher. Well, look at the policies. Look at what was going on. You know, people thought Winston Churchill was gruff and just you know just a battle axe and and going and pushing his things, and he saved the world from World War II. Helped save it. We got Trump in there when we needed him, and he's pushing stronger borders, national defense, peace treaties in Israel, a great roaring economy, and people still said, we're gonna fight Trump. We're gonna get him out of there, so-called Republicans. So part of the thing that we brought upon ourselves is that we couldn't coalesce against around the Republican leader, the nominee, the person who became president. If you recall the first two years of the Trump administration, we had the House and Senate. They couldn't pass immigration reform. And after years of saying in the Obama administration, hey, if you just give us a Republican president, we'll get rid of Obamacare. Trump ran on that. He said, I'll sign it. And then they wouldn't pass it. So we did it to ourselves with people being so frustrated with Republicans that they're just not going to turn out. And then those that didn't understand Trump's methods and his actual policies and preferring Biden, it, it makes no sense. Bobby, you're a Republican strategist, and I see a problem out there, and I'm hoping the trend I'm seeing is not going to continue. There is a feeling amongst a huge portion of Republicans, actually a big portion of, the, uh, of independents as well, that the last election had a lot of fraud in it. There's a feeling that the next one will as well. Now, I don't care what people believe about that or not. The truth is it is causing Republicans, a lot of them, at least according to the trends I'm looking at, to stay home. I hear it a lot. Yeah. Oh, my vote doesn't matter anyway. And we're never going to win if that is the attitude out there. How in the world do we overcome that? Because we're toast if people continue to do that. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things on that. Because remember, you know, we can talk about the, uh, the election results all we want. And, and was there fraud or what level of fraud that we have? But even going into the election, you had all these bogus polls. Remember Wisconsin, primary poll, I think ABC News saying that Trump was gonna lose by 17 points and it was razor thin. Right there, to your point, depresses the Republican turnout. People don't wanna turn out if they know in advance their guy is gonna lose. Now we see this and they think, why should I even vote? Because it's stacked against us. The only thing that we can do is go state by state, like we're doing in Arizona, Pennsylvania, other states, and do these forensic audits to see where the problems were and correct them. Otherwise, no one's gonna have faith in all of this. And then of course, through ballot changes and election changes, like we did in Texas, like they've done in Florida and other states, requiring voter ID, get rid of this mass mail out stuff where people don't, they get a ballot when they don't even request it. That's just waiting for fraud. We need to get rid of that. We are changing this, but there's so much to do. And I think state by state audits will go a long way to correcting the problem and restoring some confidence in those people that you mentioned that don't want to vote, because if they don't, we're done. Bobby, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Jesse. All right, coming up next, Jason Miller. Did he get arrested in Brazil? Is he going to be on the show from a Brazilian prison? We're going to find out in a second. But first, home title lock. 
home title theft isn't talked about because it's not a sexy crime, right? It's not armed robbery or something like that. And yet this crime is wiping people out financially. It's getting people evicted from their homes. People who avoid that are spending tens of thousands of dollars on an attorney because your home title's online. It's right there for any hacker to get into. You might be a victim of it right now and you wouldn't even know it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and put in your address. Put in your address. They're offering this for free right now. It's $100 value. It's free at HomeTitleLock.com. Go put in your address. You'll be able to see if you're already a victim of it. While you're there, sign up so you're protected. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with Jason Miller. Well, he doesn't exactly need an introduction anymore on this show, that's for sure, or nationally. Jason Miller, CEO of Getter. Jason, before we even get into everything else, big tech stuff and whatnot, are you broadcasting right now from a Brazilian prison? Uh, no, I am thankfully back in uh, the U.S., although... I'm leaving in a few hours to head to France, where I'll be speaking on a panel about free speech and the future of populism, um, and then continuing on to uh, the UK, talking about folks about signing up. So the uh, the Getter promotional tour continues, but I am um, out of my detention in Brazil. Okay, in all seriousness, for people who don't know, CPAC does a bunch of meetings now around the world. I mean, there's CPAC everywhere now, and there's a gigantic right populist movement going on in Brazil, so CPAC's done that for a couple of years. You went down there, all I saw in the headlines was Jason Miller detained, and I thought, oh no, <laughs> what happened? So, as you correctly pointed out, uh, CPAC, uh, Matt Schlapp and the gang put together their CPAC Brazil conference in Brasilia, um, and the Brazil's capital. So, went down and spoke at the conference, very well attended. Uh, Sergio Santana, who uh, runs a think tank in Brazil, great job of setting it up. Stayed for a couple extra days, met with President Bolsonaro, uh, able to meet with his sons, Eduardo and Flavio. One's a congressman, one's a senator able to meet with a number of legislators and other big influencers who are joining the platform. Uh, so great event, great weekend, one of the most amazing trips I've ever had. Get to the airport, go through security, and right when I get there, the side of the metal detectors, uh, there are a couple of plainclothes federales saying, Mr. Miller, we need you to follow us. Um, so from there, uh, they let us down an escalator and to uh, to this federal police holding center where I said, you know, what's going on? They said, we want to ask you some questions. And uh, they said, uh, or I asked a question, so am I being arrested? And they said, no. And I said, so I can leave. And they said, we're asking you some questions. And they had uh, several plainclothes police between me and the door. So uh, I figured uh, making a break for, uh, for my plane probably wouldn't <laughs> end well. Um, and so then I asked the question, I was like, well, okay, well, what is it you want to ask me questions about? I'm in town for uh, for CPAC and had a great trip. And they said, well, it's pertaining to secret investigations that have been launched by Alexander Demorais, uh, who's one of the Supreme Court justices, who I, you know, frankly, never heard of until this last week. And I said, what are these two investigations about? They said, well, they're secret, so we can't tell you. I'm like, okay, this is starting to get a little bit uh, bumpy here. Uh, none of the agents spoke English, so they had to get our baggage handler, literally the, the airport concierge, complete with a yellow reflective vest to come and do the translating. And uh, look, Jesse, I don't have an international law degree, but I know it's a little bit suspect when you have to get the, the baggage handler to come in and do the interpretation <laughs> work. 
And so I was like, okay, guys, uh, look, here's the thing. I, I know ultimately I can, uh, you know, pull the ripcord, call the embassy, get a lawyer. But I'm like, what is this all about? And they said, well, we want to ask you questions. We want to make sure the same technology that was used for January 6th in the U.S. isn't used for September 7th, their Independence Day, where there were a number of celebrations all around the country. I said, well, I'm pretty sure you guys have Google here in Brazil. You would, a uh, simple search would show that my company wasn't even started till July 4th. So I had nothing to do with January 6th. Uh, and, and that kind of caught them off guard. And then they started asking questions about uh, every single person who I'd met with, uh, who invited me to come speak at CPAC. And what I realized pretty quick was this was just a big political brushback pitch by one of President Bolsonaro's uh, political opponents and this Supreme uh, Court justice. Um, here's why, Jesse, this, this is going to totally blow your mind. I didn't realize this before going to Brazil, which, by the way, beautiful country, beautiful people. Uh, can't wait to go back, even despite uh, the, the nonsense. A Supreme Court justice in Brazil is basically Merrick Garland, Jim Comey, Bob Mueller, Adam Schiff, all rolled up into one with the son of Sotomayor, so they can prosecute, go after you for anything. And President Bolsonaro has been fighting with one of the justices, and this one in particular kind of reminds me of Blofeld from uh, uh, James Bond. He, he looks like a, a Bond villain if you were to go in and look one of those up. Um, and he just, it was nothing more than a political brushback pitch. Uh, after several hours, we were on our way, but you know, it was a pretty stark reminder that free speech isn't always so free. You know, it, it, honestly, thank you for sharing this story. And it is, it, it is crazy to think about. Uh, we, we take so much for granted in this country. It is, it is wild. Speaking of taking freedoms for granted, looking at a headline here, Facebook says its rules apply to all. Company documents reveal a secret elite that's exempt. I'm sure you've probably seen this. Jason, who's exempt? Is it the Republicans? Well, that's a great question. And I, I saw the Facebook folks were working overtime to say, no, 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 there are people from both parties, all ideologies. President Trump was on this exempt list. Uh, Don Jr. was on this exempt list. It wasn't just left of center and uh, sports and entertainment celebrities. But uh, Jesse, here's the thing that I think a lot of folks kind of missed. When you decide to go down that subjective road of saying one group of people are going to uh, live under one set of rules, another group of people are going to live under another set of rules, it's not then much of a leap to say, you know what, we don't think anyone should read this story about Hunter Biden, or you know what, we really don't think President Trump needs to be on our platform at all. And so it's the, the fact that Facebook has no... Uh, ideological North Star is a company. I mean, well, they do. It's just about getting paid and selling your data. But other than that, they don't actually really stand or represent, stand for or represent anything. Jason, I, I know this is probably common knowledge to you, but a lot of people do not understand the whole selling your data thing. I mean, people generally don't know about that. Every single suburban mom on Facebook posted about Timmy's soccer practice. Most of them do not realize their data is being sold. Would you break this down for dumb people like me? Absolutely. So when you start, when you uh, enter into one of these platforms, almost all these, you sign some kind of um, a user agreement or a terms of service saying that you've read and acknowledged. And uh, they're always, uh, look, we have one on, on Getter's platform, and I would encourage everyone to go and take a look and read it. Um, and uh, basically, usually people click because they want to go and create an account or get through it as fast as possible and start using the app. I mean, uh, they move quicker than Mark Milley trying to get in front of another Trump book. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how fast uh, people go and click through it. Um, but what Facebook and Twitter, their models, uh, it's not the advertising where they make the real money, although Facebook does make a considerable amount. 
is from selling your data. And so, for example, those ads that pop up on Facebook, you know, you get, you see one post from your mom, one post from your aunt, another one from your uncle, and then an ad, and then, you know, three of your relatives, and then another ad. Those ads, because they follow what people like, they follow uh, what people comment about, they get all this data. And so uh, each individual person, this isn't about the social network. This isn't about, you know, Jesse Eisenberg doing, uh, you know, doing the movie and we're going to connect people. It's going to be uh, wicked cool. Uh, what this is really about is every single person uh, is a, a data generating entity that they can then go and take your data and sell it to uh, any corporation that's out there to then market and sell things to you. One of the commitments we've made at Getter, we will never market uh, or sell or share any of your user data. And the key is because we see our growth model, our profitability model going into the e-commerce space where you get people a way to uh, participate in financial transactions uh, that are free from say the, the CCP or uh, some of these woke leftist companies. That's ultimately where we're gonna get to, but we will never sell your data, unlike say Facebook and Twitter, which openly boast about it. Jason, I, I'm glad you brought this up uh, because there's one last question I wanted to ask you about the American government corporate partnership and how truly, truly damaging it is. The government doesn't have to pass a, ma a mandate for a vaccine. They can just simply suggest one and America's companies will line up to do the government's bidding. When did this happen? How do we undo this? No, that's a great point. And the other thing, too, I think it's a misnomer to say that uh, that there are these vaccine requirements because if if they're at least being intellectually honest, wouldn't they say a vaccines requirement? Because it's uh, last fall and even earlier this year, we talked about the vaccine from you get one jab and then you're uh, cured of, uh, of the threat of getting COVID. That now we're seeing things from Fauci and others are gonna have to get boosters and continual jabs uh, into perpetuity. I, I saw one Swedish researcher say as many as five jabs to be uh, completely safe. Uh, but it also kind of goes to the point of when Fauci said you need zero masks, then one, then two, uh, and now back to mask wearing. But if they're being consistent, they at least say everyone must wear two masks all the time. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the science is changing. Our understanding of this disease is changing. And rather than being on the level and saying there's some things we know, some things we don't know, here's the best of what we can do. And we're going to let you make the decision you think is best for you and your family on conversations with your doctor they're going way too far in mandating a number of things uh, without having all the information. I think, quite frankly, I think that's uh, that's troubling, especially for someone uh, like Anthony Fauci, who quite, he's just wrong on almost everything he does or says. Yeah, that's a fact. Jason Miller, I highly recommend everyone go get Getter now. Jason, thank you so much. Jesse, thank you. All right. We have a great light in the mood next. You'll enjoy. Hang on. All right. It's enough heavy stuff for the day. It's time to lighten the mood. I don't know why, but this video just made me laugh hysterically. Who hasn't done something stupid after a college football game? I certainly have, and so has this young lady. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that sucks. All right. I'll see you tomorrow.